Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Have Fuji Broads Podcast. This is your girl, Rita B, on the mic. This your girl, Rosa, a.k.a. Crazy Horse. And this is Mika. Welcome, you guys, back to another um, episode. Hopefully, we have a fun-filled, exciting, and entertaining show for you. But first, you know, hey, ladies, do y'all have anything y'all want to kind of get out or talk about what you've been up to before we get into the um, actual topics of the day? I am tired. <laughs> I have been working, moving, and traveling for the past two weeks, and that's it. <laughs> gotcha. What about you, Mika? Um, no updates. I just I'm tired too, but because yesterday was just a field day, I did sorority stuff. We had a literacy fest where we gave out free books to the kids, and that was very very nice. Like to see the kids coming up and be excited about reading. Because nowadays, you know, they're all into the phones and the games, and so to see them excited about hard copy books and like them leaving there with stacks of books and excited to read them, I was that that made the nerd in me smile. Awesome. That's great that you were able to do that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I was off this past week, but, you know, not really off because I did a lot of uh, leg work and all that kind of stuff and running errands. So nothing for me really here. So, you know, let's just get into something that's a little bit more interesting than my boring vacation. So, Mika, you got something that's really interesting that I'm really interested to uh, talk about, which is your, your mad moment for the week. Let's hear it. Okay. So... I'm mad, and I know you guys are going to find this one a little bit slightly different because I'm mad at me. I'm mad because I feel like I've dropped the ball on teaching my son about black history. I realized that as much as involved as I was with black history and the learning of it, I mean, I was on the black history rainbow team, like I was gung-ho about it. And even though I went to a predominantly white high school where black history wasn't something that was really taught, we brought black history to the school. We made sure that, that we kept it with us and that we taught others about it and it remained a part of our culture and who we are. And I, I, I try to give my son the best education that he can have because, you know, as a parent, that's what I want him to have. But I feel like I'm failing him when it comes to knowing about his people and knowing about the black history. I asked him about black history because I was trying to get him some books on black history. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to read that. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, about, I mean, I've heard of slavery, but we don't talk about that at school. And I'm like, well, what black people do y'all learn about at school? He's like George Washington Carver and then a little bit about Martin Luther King. What? Wait, huh? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh my God, like, you're nine years old and you don't know anything about black history. And he's so smart. I'm like, you'd be amazed to know that black people created the stoplight. And like, you know, and then some another lady came up and she started telling him like little things that black people had created and all this stuff. And it's like, you don't know this stuff and I have failed you in teaching you this stuff because I'm here, I'm giving you the best education and you're not going to be learn. You're not going to know about your people. And that ticks me off at myself, so I got to do a better job at ensuring that my child gets part of his history as well as getting the best education that he can get. And everything is so whitewashed in school that they, um, you know, this past weekend I went to go see A Wrinkle in Time, and what amazed me so much was to see people of color and characters that when I read about the Lion Witch in a Wardrobe and all these things, I would see white faces because that's what I was taught as a child, that white is right, white is great. So you lose interest in black history and black faces and black people when you're not learning that at home. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've had a lot of the same 
you know, issues with getting my kids interested in that kind of stuff as well. You know, I loved books about my culture. I don't know if you guys heard of Rolling Thunder, Hear My Cry. It was mm. one of my favorite books. Wrinkle in Time was probably my one of my favorite books as well. But Rolling Thunder, Hear My Cry was about a black family in the 60s and things that they went through. And that was one of my favorite books, and I sought that out. I gave it to my daughter, and she was like, oh, okay, just put on the side. Oh, it's so hurtful. <laughs> you know? And I mean... Not hurtful, but it's so sad, but, but it's not their fault, you know what I'm saying? Because they're constantly seeing images of whiteness throughout elementary school that we, black history and black, is not valued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, yep. and you know, he's not exposed to, you know, other than his family, he doesn't get exposed to black people. His friends aren't really black. Like, so I, I started making the conscious efforts to have him have black friends. So one of my friends has a nephew who's about his age. So we set up play dates because I'm like, I want him to I want him to be around his culture. Nothing wrong with his right friends. And I'm not white bashing. It's just that, like, I don't want him to lose his identity of who he is because it's not being taught to him. He's not seeing it. He's not around it. And he, I don't want him to start thinking, oh, mom and him is the different and white is the norm. Yeah. And, and that's not yeah. what it is. Yeah. Because the yes. image they see of blackness is violence. Yeah. I literally had a conversation with my daughter about two or three days ago about code switching and how she doesn't even know what that is or have to do that because she doesn't, she's not, she didn't come from the environment we did. So she doesn't even understand the thought process, you know, that goes behind code switching. And I was actually, you know, because I'm actually proud of that not saying that i have to do that but the ability for black kids to be able to code switch is a great it shows is a real sign of intelligence to go from basically one language which is african you know african-american vernacular english to standard american english that's a that's a like an sign of intelligence to be able to go back and forth and switch your mind and navigate those that. environments yes yeah. and he can't he definitely yeah. he definitely can't like he he if he gets around <laughs> more and i hate to say urban i don't want to make urban the bad word but if he gets around more urban kids it's they look at him and they think he's weird because he doesn't know how to change the way that he speaks mm. and the things that he says and how he, he's just like unless they start talking video game and even then when he talks video game he talks on the level of like a 20 year old with the way that he speaks mm-hmm. on them and it's just he loses people the one little boy he goes to play with he said um he was explaining Beyblades to to his aunt to the little boy's auntie right and he was just so animated with the explanation like words that you wouldn't think to use to explain these little spinning tops and the little boy say oh wow you are super smart he's like and that's a compliment coming from me because I'm the smartest person in my class and you, you're really smart. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. <laughs> I say my po baby. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think the best we can do is like we talked about already, exposing them to people who look like us to, you know, not, and not just the elites, but exposing them to people who are just regular average everyday people who are like us, are their aunts and uncles and cousins and people who are just, you know, are black and taking them to black museums and black cultural events and things that we celebrate where we celebrate our culture and just surrounding them, you know, with that kind of stuff is probably about the best we can do, you know, he um, met to African, get them interested. He met an African man at the Literacy Festival and wow. the African man was talking to him and was talking to him about African culture and like he was so drawn to this man like mm-hmm. he spent so much time talking with this man about 
you know, stuff that he had, like, he was excited about it. The man taught him to play the African drums, was talking to him about his ancestors, and he came to me, he's like, Mom, I want to go to Africa. Like, before, it's like, I want to go to France, and, like, he's naming, but now he, his <laughs> insight is like, he wants to go to Africa. Like, he's excited about black folks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know not to you know kind of transition along to the next subject but we you know that's why black panther has been so important i know we talked about it last you know episode and i kind of wanted to bring it back up again for another aspect of it um because it's so important like we've seen these kids who have now so much pride in their culture whereas you know when we grew up people would say oh african booty scratcher and you know what mm-hmm. i mean stupid stuff like but now our kids have a Wakanda, even if Wakanda is not a real place. Gotham City is not technically a real place either, is it? But mm-hmm. it's a, we know it represents Africa and our homelands. And these kids can have some identifiable, like, symbols of things greatness. to be proud of. Yes, we do have greatness. a culture. We do. They don't have to think about it as the drug dealers or the, like, they have a positive image to look up to. And, and that, that's mm-hmm. what makes it good. Exactly. And, you know, getting into that, I wanted to dig into it a little bit more about our, in our meat and potatoes segment was Killmonger. Um, <clears throat> we, you know, I posted uh, the other, about a week or so ago about Killmonger. And um, it was a post about the, it's something to paraphrase it, but an African proverb that says something about how if, uh, if a child doesn't feel, you know, um, the love from their community, they'll burn down the village to feel the warmth. Mm-hmm. And I and that so signifies Killmonger, and it and it actually was one of our I guess our highest performing posts to date so far, and we got a lot of feedback from people who really identified with Killmonger. So I just want to talk to y'all about how y'all like identify, or how, what do y'all think about that? Well, I don't think he was a villain, first and foremost. I don't think he was a villain because African Americans can identify with his message. But I also think he, you know, this is my own uh, platform that I advocate for. He, for me, he was the epitome of toxic masculinity in African-American men. How they see no value in black women or anybody else, but also want to talk about freedom and freeing our people, but only want to free what what it boils down to is them wanting to free african-american men if we really dig deep with killamonger on that level but i can understand why so many people um understood him because man america man being black in america man <laughs> it's hard yeah. for me i think um what what resonated with me is this so what happened to him that happened to him as a child happened to him as a child. And mm-hmm. I think what we as adults and, and what we as a people have such a hard time doing is letting go. Like mm-hmm. he, he, what happened to him as a child, they were in the wrong. But once he became an adult, he continued to, to, to promote the wrongness. He continued to do bad things and blame it on his childhood. Mm-hmm. At some point he has to let that go and say, now I got to start living for the now. I have to be able to not keep blame, not 
keep allowing that to be my excuse for why I do the bad things. Oh, I keep going to jail because of what happened to me as a child. Oh, I can't help take care of my kids because of what happened to me as a child. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm abusing her because of what happened to me as a child. Like at some point, you're no longer a child and you got to take the steps to fix yourself so that you can be a better adult because you can't mm-hmm. keep living in the what happened to me as a child and that's how i saw him i saw he was angry about what happened to him as a child and he never let it go and that's where the villain part came in what happened to him as a child was wrong they were completely wrong but as an adult he had the responsibility to to start doing right but he decided mm-hmm. to keep doing wrong mm-hmm. i can agree no, with I, that. that's, yes and i think that's why i get caught up on the villain or not villain because I get it. I get I get his point. I get his message. I get his his thought process behind why he did what he did and how he came to be. But the reason why I challenge the fact that I do consider him a villain is because of the things that he did. He killed yeah. at least two black women on screen. At least two. He choked up on an, an elder woman. You know, the one in the one that was talking about the sacred earth yeah. and how he can't. No, kill it. I mean, it, he didn't have a pretty, a really good track record when you want to think about it. When it comes to women in that movie, and I and know yes, he was fighting trying to kill T'Challa, but he had, I know that's what a, you know. But he does he had a horrible track record when it came to how his treatment of women in this movie. And, and that's why I talk about toxic masculinity and his character in the epitome of toxic masculinity in America with black men. Um, that is mm-hmm. it. His rage was one-sided. His rage was one-sided. Yeah. It it didn't matter that they were women because his rage was one-sided. You're in my way. I don't care. And mm-hmm. and, and right. it was, it, 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 it made, that's what made him the villain. Like I said, I can relate to what happened to him as a child. Um, but I think like at some point he had to recognize this is damaging me as an adult. <laughs> Let me figure out a way to deal with this in a better way. Man, this is really going into Rosa's relationship corner, but we could keep continue. <laughs> what I really, what I too, I wanted to know the social, you know, services, child welfare worker in me really wanted to to dig more into his childhood and how he lived and survived after, you know, his dad died. Like, where was his mom? They only mentioned the mom, but never mentioned what happened with her. Never yeah, showed that, her. Never. That, yeah, that, that, this is said that his father fell in love with an African uh, African American woman. That's it. And that's it. That's as far as we know about her. And I know I wanted to know more. Like, I think that's another reason why I maybe I can see why people don't see him as a villain because you want to know him. Like most villains, you don't care. Like Claw, I don't give a shit about Claw. <laughs> you know, or how he came to be what he was. Mm-hmm. But Killmonger, I want to know more. Like, I want to dig into his character. I wish there was like a origins episode of Killmonger. That would be awesome, you know, because he is real. That's why we want it. We want that history. We want to know because we have all encountered a killer in our lifetime. We have all encountered him. You know, he's real. That's what we want to know more. I think we speculate as to what happened um, with his child because we know that scene. You know, you know that scene of the child that's outside by himself, you know, playing with his friends. There's no parental supervision because you think about it. Do you let your child outside without no parental supervision, even if yeah, it is right there in the courtyard? You know what I'm saying? So you, so we, we kind of <laughs> guesstimate on what was going on with his mom, that neighborhood at that time, that child with just only seeing mm-hmm. his father. You can guess that it was probably dr- drugs. You know, mom was probably, yeah. that's what people started to go to. Mom was strung out on drugs. She wasn't around for him. There was nobody to love and nurture him because if he had love and nurture, even with his daddy being gone, I don't think he could have turned out that bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I mean, he had PTSD. Let's be mm-hmm. real. Yeah, severe. Military. But it was more than likely from, you know, losing his dad, who knows what happened to his mom, and being raised in that environment. A lot of our black kids have PTSD. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, diagnosed as ADHD and, and behavioral problems and conduct disorder. Opposition defying and, and yeah. And it's really just PTSD from the mm-hmm. life that they lived and the things that they've seen. And this, I mean, look at this self-harm. I mean, yes, those cuts are, can be traced to, you know, at roots and at yeah. certain African that did that. But on him, that was, that was self-mutilation. Yeah, it that was. was self-harm. You know, and he was showing all the signs of it, and he never got the help that he needed. And I just, you know, the military just used that. They they took that and they used it because he was broken before he got in there. They took, oh, he has this this type of rage. We can use that, and they knew he was a killer because when the man explained him, oh, he's our biggest, you know, he he's he's our best guy, the best killer we got. Like, come on, nobody does that, and there not be something wrong with them. (laughs) But they chose to overlook it. Yeah, and that's on a side note why I don't advocate for us joining the military anymore, but that's a whole nother discussion. It's like they use our pain and our PTSD and put us in these in, in the military and like, oh, that's the best, you know, we're the best. No, we're 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 struggling. We're hurt. We're hurt. <laughs> we're hurt. And hurt people hurt. Yep. Yep. And then and we're unfortunately going to hurt that violence is therapeutic. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. I mean, I love this discussion. So if you guys want to send us a message, an email, and keep the discussion up and talk to us a little bit more about how you identify with Killmonger, go add to the post on Facebook. I mean, please feel free to do so because I love this discussion. I think it's so important for us to talk about this. You know, that was part of our platform with starting this page is to talk about mental health within the black, you know, um, community. And so this is a big part of that. So I love to see that. All right. Um, well, let's move forward, though, and kind of segue, because, again, Rosa said we are, we kind of already were, were segueing and transitioning to her point um, about uh, for her relationship corner. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit more, Rosa, about why you chose the topic today. So today I have like two videos that I want to discuss and kind of two topics that I'm meshing into one. The first video is a video that Will Smith did a couple of months ago, but I didn't receive this message until last week. I I didn't receive the message and how he discussed about he and Jada finding their happiness and being two whole people on their own so that they can come together and have a fulfilling marriage. Um, That is very, that was very impactful for me because a lot of times we jump into relationships and and expect our partner to be our happiness and to make us happy and to be that person to make us happy when that's um, unfair and not true. And then I, I, Rita discussed another video with me last week on Michael Baston show where a woman recorded a video of her discussing why she's staying with a man that is, basically cheating on her with multiple women i had to really watch the video because i thought when rita talked to me about it i thought it was just one other woman no this man has multiple women mm-hmm. and this woman has breast cancer had a mastectomy and this man paid for her treatment supported her through the process of chemo i don't know if you've ever watched anyone go through chemotherapy it's very tough and tedious process and this man did this for her 
But the first thing out of my mouth when Rita told me about this video, I said, black women have failed her. We need to check on our single friends. We need to talk to our single friends. We need to uplift our single friends. We need to be there as sisters so that these predatorial men do not come into our spaces. We have to protect our single women friends. Like, we tend to get in relationships and get married and tend to forget about our single friends. You know what I'm saying? But no, we can't. You can't do that. You have to check on your single friends. You have to figure out what's going on with her. What does she need? Does she need to stay at your house because she's doing chemo and, and she has to Uber to chemo treatments and come home so she has somebody to talk to? Like, yo, we got we to gotta really put life into our single friends because me as a single perfect person, there are points in my life where I feel lonely, and, but I have a strong support system and I don't seek out the intimacy of men because my support system, y'all going to help me. <laughs> but I also wanted to combine with, because that woman in that video saw out a man in her brokenness. You cannot have a healthy relationship with somebody and you are broken. Y'all need to be whole healthy people and I'm sick of it. And this aggravates me. It aggravates the shit out of me because people are broken and they want to go find these other people to have intimacy with to fix them. No, you need to go fix yourself. You need to go fix yourself so that you could be a whole healthy person and find a partner who's a whole healthy person and y'all can have a healthy relationship. I'm not saying you need to be perfect because I'm not perfect. And through my journey, I'm not going to be perfect. There are going to be some things that my partner is going to have to work with me on. But my happiness and what brings me joy and my support system, that's one thing he ain't got to worry about because that shit is solid. Because I worked on that and I wanted to work on that for him and my future husband. But it's just all of that was on my mind and on my spirit last week. And I just want single women, especially single black women. I know I isolate us out because I love my black women. Stop jumping from relationship to relationship. Look in your broken, looking for happiness. Find that within yourself. Find out what you like to do. Because let me tell you, if you don't find out what you like to do and who you are, a predatorial man is going to come on, come in and tell you about yourself and tell you who you are and tell you what you like. You're going to be miserable. I can agree with that. Um, I think also um, just coming from a, a, a non-single person and, and understanding that, you know, life is, is, is consumable with a bunch of things. And sometimes you can yeah. just forget about checking on that single friend because you're checking on everything else and you have so many responsibilities. I think for my single friends, I think you all need to um, be aware that you should reach out as well. Like sometimes yes. understand that your your, your non single friends they haven't forgot about you and they they are there for you. But sometimes you can pick up that phone and reach out and say, "I need you." Like I, I know one time a long time ago, Rosa, you you just sent the text message real late in the middle of the night and it was yeah, a distress and it was a I need you and I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> she needs me. Like I'm woke up, like, she need me, so I need to figure out how to help her. And the only way I knew how I was like, I gotta call my friend who has a psychology degree. She better wake up because she need us. <laughs> like you know. <laughs> but I am good at that because y'all are. I rely on my support system and I love y'all and I trust y'all. You know what I'm saying. When I'm in distress, I reach out to my friends. I reach out to people who love me. I don't go in the world looking for Negroes. 
but anyways but yes you're right you're right Mika you are right because Rita knows I'm bad at that sometimes because I'll be sitting in my house and full of depression and full of stress and I won't call her you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and I'll tell her about it three days later and she like Rosa why didn't you just call me so we do have to I work on that I work on that I work on that as a single person that you and I'm learning that this year through therapy that your friends love you and you need to call them <laughs> you need to call them more good for putting a call out on Facebook I'll embarrass oh, no. you so if you don't call me back by, by the end of the afternoon I'm gonna start posting pictures <laughs> she be like, okay wait <laughs> here she takes my picture I'll call you tomorrow I promise I'll call you okay that's all I needed to know just answer my answer my text that's all I want you to do you know, Stacy has a habit. Need. Yeah, Stacy has a habit of um, uh, call her name out. Stacy has a habit. She will call me back to back to. That's that friend that I have that will call me back to back to back, and she will text me and say, "You on punishment." She will. Stacy is that friend who will get who will call somebody in the city to come knock on my door. <laughs> She sure has called me before. She's like, go yes. check on Rosa. Yeah, she did that. She do that stuff to y'all. <laughs> she does that stuff to Candace, too. Like, I'd be like, why are you texting them? I'd be like, Stacey, you don't know them? She was like, yes, I do. I met them. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she will do that. She will get on Facebook and send Sharita and Candace messages and be like, what are we going to do? Who could go? Who could go knock on her door? But I'm, so, it is yeah. so important, and you're so you're so right that you know that's that is like I, when you made that point, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the best point to make. Is where were her friends? Where was her family? Where's her support system so that she didn't have to rely on some man? Because it didn't sound like this woman knew that man very well. No, you know when they first no. when she got when she got you know cancer and everything. I no, it felt like she knew him for a couple of weeks. With the mom or the sister, because I'm thinking I'm like. There's a plethora of people that I would have that you know I would have called before mm-hmm. I called before I went to I mean, like I I get sick now mm-hmm. or even if Kamari gets sick now and I have Michael here and I and Cliff I call my mama <laughs> you know what I'm saying my mama yeah. like when I started my mama she's taking off work to come here to be with her baby and there's people who could have took care of me but it was no 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 my mama's like nobody's gonna take care of my baby I'm coming to take care of my baby if no, my mama wouldn't have been there my sister would have been there like you know what I'm saying like there's, there was a plus and, and even if those two wouldn't have been I know I have those down hard core friends that if I needed it they would have been there so I'm like how did you miss all those people and went straight to him well because women single women and I'm a single woman right now we sit in our brokenness and and think that a man will fix it intimacy will fix it he will fulfill our self-esteem he will create an atmosphere where we're worthy when that's not true that shit is not true that is predatorial energy <laughs> he was a good man because he did all of that for me and he had barely known me and he and i'm like okay and he's doing all that for you like hearing her story is you're not the only person he's doing all of that for so mm-hmm. what makes you right. special She's like, because he makes each one. I never didn't. I didn't not feel special when I was with him. But what made you special? Because he treats everybody the same. I want my I want to be treated differently than you treat every other woman, because that's Mm -hmm. what makes me your woman. Else, Mm -hmm. I'm just some common person on the street. If we all get treated the same, you bought us all a car. 
you paid all our rent. Like, then I'm not special. I'm not the number exactly. one in your heart like that. <laughs> and that's what she said. He treats all of them well. So you ain't even the main chick. Like, y'all just, <laughs> all of y'all are side chicks. <laughs> there is no main. He's treating all y'all exactly the same. Nobody but, is more important yeah. than the other. Like, you're not his woman. And But when Cherie, when Rita told me about this, the first thing out of my mouth was like, where are her friends? We failed her. You remember when you talked to me about that last week? And I didn't judge her. I didn't judge him. But I just said, yeah, we failed her. We failed her. And it's so unfortunate. That, and her friends that may her not life. have known that that, you know yes. what I'm saying, that that was going on and they, they yeah. needed to be there. Because sometimes you, you, as much as you think you know somebody, like sometimes they go through hard times and they don't say nothing to you. And, and Mr. Creeper Jeeper mm-hmm. comes in and... Like, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and he's able to, that, that power that he's able to take over your being with, because you're too proud to ask somebody for help. <laughs> you need yeah. that to say, sister girl, I'm, I'm, I'm a girl, they just told me I got cancer and I'm going through it. And, and, and you say that to me and I'm running to you, but if you don't say that to me and I don't know, and then five months down the line, you tell me, oh, I just finished my chemo. And you already got him in the corner, like he's already pushed us out of out of the place to be there mm-hmm. for you, and you didn't give us the opportunity exactly. to be there for you too. So it exactly. was too, where were her friends, and why didn't she call on them? <laughs> because we want intimacy with men. Yes, and, and that brokenness, and, and that brokenness in us craves that. But when you hold, man, if I'm, yo, if if I got breast cancer today. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you, I'm telling Candace, because, hey, Candace, I may need you to come over in the evening, some evenings during the week, and, like, bring me dinner, because she lives here. You know what I'm saying? I'm calling you, Sharita, Rita, I'm calling Shamika, because, hey, you know, Mika, because t- today, you know, I just may need to vent. You know what I'm saying? I'm having my uncle come, like, I, I, I just... I am not finding a man. <laughs> Correct. If a man comes along, I'm saying, you know okay. what? Right now, I'm broken, and I just yes. let me get through this before I try to give you any of right. me. You know what I'm saying? I'll I'll hit you back in six months, and and we'll see where I'm standing. But right now, I can't give you any of me because there's no hole me to give. Exactly, right. and that's why I meshed the two topics together because single women, when we're in our brokenness, we need to stop trying to find a man to fix it. Go find yeah. your happy. Period. Go find your happy. All right. Mm-hmm. Go find. That's your our happy. t-shirt has t-shirt hashtag for the day. Go find your happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that, Rosa. Um, we gotta finish up, but before we do, let's just talk about real quick our Black Girl Magic Person of the Week. And you know, I thought it was very important for us to dedicate this to you know a woman who gave her life unfortunately, this week for the movement. And that was Mariel, if I hope I'm saying her name right, Mariel Franco. She was a Brazilian activist. She was a lesbian feminist who, she was a councilwoman. She was raised in the favelas of, of Rio de Janeiro. And if you don't know what a favela is, basically it's the hood in mm-hmm. in um in, in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, you know, in Fast and the Furious when they're flying through all the shacks and, you know, busting into shacks with their cars in one of those Fast and the Furious movies, that's a favela, basically. Those people are the poorest of the poor, and they're over-policed, just like we are in America. 
and there are, are overwhelmingly black Brazilians. And she was a black Brazilian woman who was really fighting for the rights of women and for the poor people and fighting against the government who wanted to over police, um, you know, the people in the favelas. And she had just left a women's meeting when she was ambushed and, and, and essentially assassinated in a job by shooting on Wednesday. So I just wanted to make sure that we really gave a shout out to our sisters, no matter, you don't have to be America, wherever they are, to really show that we are, you know, supporting them. Those people in Brazil now are protesting and they are fighting back against, you know, against the government since that happened uh, the other day and really taking to the streets and showing their, you know, their anger at what happened to her and their support of her. So I just wanted to, you know, give a shout out to her. Big ups, round of applause. Mm-hmm. And the rest in heaven. Oh, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, she's just the start of the movement. You know what I mean? And there, I'm sure there are people who are have her back who will continue that. Yes. All right. So with that being said, you know, let's go get on out of here. Do y'all have any parting words for the people? Rosa has yeah, to Rosa? drink water. I mean, y'all need to drink water, man, because y'all gonna be out here looking like Trick Daddy and um, Twenty One Savage, and um, just yeah. <laughs> I want to say, just stay prayed up. You know, we we in some times, some rough times nowadays, and just stay prayed up, stay diligent, stay focused, um, and and, and just pray. That's all I can say is pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, you know, for me, I know a lot of people don't like it when I get too political. You know, so I don't try to get too political on the show, but I really want y'all to just be mindful of what's going on and please keep track of this revolving door, this temp agency that is the White House now. And all the thing, you know, can't nobody ain't nobody safe and you know, with their job at this point. So just keep track of what's going on and really make them pay for it when it um when it comes time for those midterm elections, please y'all, because this is life. Politics ain't just something that you just care about or you don't care about. It's your life. So that's all I got to say about that. Black all power. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Stop it. All right. Have a good night, y'all. Thank you all again. Right. And don't forget to have bougie. Bye. 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 <laughs>